Hi, Mama. Hey. <laughs> How's it over there in Brookfield? <laughs> well, it's, you know, now we have all these mosquitoes because of the standing water. Ugh. So that's, <laughs> I know. This is my mom, a.k.a. Martha Mathis, Mama Mathis, or if you attended Middlebury College or Norwich University in Vermont, you know her as Dean Mathis. My mom is a 73-year-old Black female retired dean of a military college living in rural Vermont. In short, she's a badass. And I don't think it's the last time we'll hear from her, if I can get her to agree to coming back on the show, that is. My mother is the reason I've had access to my Blackness. I grew up in a very white state, Vermont, and I have a white father. But my mom made sure I knew who I was and all the rich Black history that I came from. And one of the ways she kept Blackness alive in our house was through cooking. So for today's episode, I'm narrowing in on one dish in particular. I'm ready whenever you are. Well, I just, uh, I'm making an episode called How Do You Cook Your Greens? <laughs> I love that title. I love it. You like it? <laughs> Well, I think that's a that's a good topic because everybody's different. My mom gets it right away. Collard greens are a soul food side, which don't get cooked often. But when they are cooking, you know. I always mm-hmm. knew greens were being cooked because they smelled <laughs> so good and they were strong in the house. Well, the same way you woke up was the way I woke up. You know, uh, either Miss Carvey or Mama deciding to make greens for a specific occasion. There are a lot of different foods that live in the black soul food category. Catfish, fried chicken, mac and cheese, hot watered cornbread, or my mom's personal favorite, what she calls the star of the show, black eyed peas. But I'm thinking collard greens are the star of this show because like my mom says, everyone seems to cook them a little differently, depending on your generation, your ethnic roots, and where you're from. You could ask, Different people from the South, West Coast, Florida, with the whole Miami, Haitian peoples. So this is this is exciting. I'm anxious to see how different people cook their greens. If you haven't had what we're calling greens, here are the cliff notes. Greens are typically cooked in the biggest pot you have on the stove for hours and hours, sometimes even days. Inside that pot is a kind of soupy broth made from all the other stuff that goes into the recipe. Sometimes that's smoked or salted meats that break down slowly in the greens. There's butter, salt, bones at times, all sorts of spices. So at a certain point to call them greens feels a little like a misnomer. Once you're done putting all that meat in them and cooking them down, there typically isn't much green left. How much butter do you use? I probably use a, a, a you know, a stick. As a whole stick of butter. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the more high blood pressure, the better. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Now, you not in every pot, but let's just say you were to decide, okay, I want, I want the pork family. Then that would be salt pork. And ham hocks. That's it. You want the smoke family? I would probably still throw in a little salt pork because that's where you're getting your flavor along with the parts, the wings or the whatever, the smoke parts. 
And parts now, you can, oh, they look so good in the store, pretty expensive though out here. But uh, smoke breast, they look so good. <laughs> as much as I loved, adored, and salivated and looked forward to soul food in my home, it didn't come around all that often. So when it did, I knew something big was going down. Well, the purpose for greens is almost like celebratory. So something big is happening. <laughs> if it was a holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, those three in particular. My mom also says greens show up on what she calls the black holidays, which I'm starting to learn means days of labor recognition, freedom recognition, and really any good day to have a barbecue. All the black holidays too, like parades, Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day weekend, those were all barbecue holidays. Fourth of July. When my mom was making greens in our house, she nearly disappeared into the kitchen for a couple days. You better be bleeding if you were going to interrupt her. It's labor intensive. You've got to wash every every leaf, you know, um, and then you let it soak and then you wash it again just to get the dirt out. And then you get, you know, you break it up. Some people chop it. I've just always torn mine so that they come out looking like who they are, <laughs> which is not a, you know, a perfect shape. This is one of those generational dishes. So you're not just gonna wake up one day and probably say, hmm, I think, you know, I think I'm gonna cook some greens <laughs> because there's a whole mood involved in it. This is Homegoings. I'm Myra Flynn. Today on the show, we follow one soul food recipe across generations. I don't remember her ever using a measuring cup. I don't ever remember mama using a, me a measuring cup. Cultures. So I'm Nigerian American. So growing up, um, you know, I started cooking when I was like maybe like nine or 10. And it was like me and my sister's responsibility to cook for the family and history. Sometimes you can taste your ancestors in certain things that you cook. You can taste them. This is Homegoings. Welcome home. So I usually give a heads up about swearing in our episodes. This is one of those times, so heads up. There's going to be some cussing in this episode. And in case you're wondering why I allow it, it's not just because I like love swearing. It's just that sometimes people be cussing. It's just how they talk. Because I be cussing. I, uh, I cuss at a funeral at church. You cussed at church? Yeah, yeah. The pastor was taking too long. I was like, God damn, I got to go to a damn game. Me and him cussing each other out at the damn thing. Shit. First, of, I was pissed. First of all, the church had a cover charge. So I was already mad about that, you know. Free to get in, thirty dollars to get out. So that pissed me off. So I customized. This is a joke. I'm joking. <laughs> you got me, because I'm I'm sitting here like, what church are you going to? You should not go to that church anymore. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> 
This is Kevin Bledsoe. And when he's not busy messing with people, he's a celebrity pitmaster and owner of Bloodsoe's Bar and Q restaurants that span California, Texas, and Australia. He's also been a judge on Netflix's TV series, The Barbecue Showdown. That's fire. This is Barbecue Showdown. Woo! This is a surf and turf challenge, everybody. Oh. And Kevin has some other notable feathers in his cap, to say the least. You have to say it, it's too much for like I'm bragging. You know, James Beard Award, uh, multiple TV shows, get to work with Phil all the time. You know, that type of stuff, those type of relationships, just, just a lot, a lot, a lot has came out of it, you know. I met Kevin through my husband, Phil, who I introduced you to in the last episode of Homegoings about Black men. Phil works in the bar and restaurant and TV scene, so Kevin is a peer of sorts. I've only ever met him once, so we're still sussing out one another's soul food origins. Phil and I grew up in Vermont. Vermont 54th down there in South Simpson? Y'all from rolling no. 60s? No. Vermont the state. The state. Oh, with the syrup. <laughs> yes. Only two blacks in Vermont. Y'all probably the only blacks I know from Vermont. Kevin may not know where I'm from, but I know where he's from. Kevin is originally from Compton, California, a place known for a lot of things. Barbecue doesn't come first to mind when I think of it. So Compton, California is where you learned barbecue? Uh, no, I learned barbecue in Texas. Uh, coming out here in the, uh, learned the barbecue game, coming out here in the summertime, spending time with my uh, granny, Miss Willie Makefields in Corsicana, Texas. But I learned a little bit in Compton. We barbecue in Compton? What the hell, Myra? You don't think we cook in Compton? I don't know. I just don't know if it's known for its barbecue as much. My, the, you know, quick history. My dad was LAPD. My mom was a uh, worked at the post office, but she was also a Black Panther sympathizer. So imagine that. You know, of course, they got divorced. But uh, every summer, my mother would send me out because I wanted to go, you know, because I was a country boy at heart. So she sent me out here to Texas every summer. My granny ran a small, you know, like juke joint, barbecue stand, whole house, uh, bootleg, all that in there was going on at granny's spot. You know, she was one of the best people I ever seen on the pit, you know, and uh, that's where I learned the barbecue from her. Kevin is what's known as a pit master, which means that when it comes to barbecue, he's in charge of the meat, in particular, the smoking, which I tried recently with a brisket. It took 12 hours and shifts throughout the night. They don't call him a pit master for nothing. Plus, like any journey toward a job or calling, it has its pitfalls. That's right, pun intended. But that wasn't always the plan. Swerving down, I wasn't going to no food service. I hated it. I hated working in that hot restaurant. Uh, uh, I hated working with my uncles and them, and my granny used to always tell me, uh, uh, well, you need to go to college and get you a degree uh, and do something like that. She said, "Because you, or run your own business, because she said, you're too much of an asshole to work for anybody, and that's what she used to tell me. So I did left, I, and then I, went, I was going to teach. So I, I was uh, going to school for secondary education, and I didn't have no lawfully damn goals about being no teacher. I just wanted, I couldn't imagine not having weekends in the summer and holidays off, and that was the only reason I wanted to teach. And then I realized, shit, I hate kids. I don't want to be no teacher. I 
just went took tests everywhere. Uh, Dallas PD, LAPD, LA Sheriff Department of Corrections, and uh, Department of Corrections came through. Uh, so it's, I graduated college that Thursday. That Monday, I was in the Corrections Academy in Sacramento, California, just that quick. My granny was right. I got fired and uh, uh, being an asshole, but. Uh, I had to fall back on what I knew. And even then I still didn't want to go, but Granny, one of her sayings was, you gotta always have you a legal hustle. Kevin spent the next dozen or so years working for the California Department of Corrections. And surprisingly, that helped prepare him for his next gig. Yeah, you gotta run that kitchen like a prison kitchen. That kitchen is the clean, prison kitchen, the cleanest uh, uh, kitchen around, you know? So you run that kitchen, that's like that, but just, Discipline, the discipline of it, you know, because I thought when I got terminated, I was the worst day of my life. But like I say, you like I tell my kids, you never know how your life is going to be. You never know. You might think this is the road for you. And like I say, that was the only way God forced me out of that because he had such a bigger plan. And I was just comfortable. You know, I was comfortable making seven, eighty thousand dollars a year. I'm young. You know what I mean? And he was like, no, nah, partner, you, I, you got some work ahead of you. Kevin's food at Bloodsoe's Bar and Q is bomb. Trust me, I've eaten there a bunch. The menu includes things like hush puppies with chipotle buttermilk, loaded fries with buffalo chicken, pulled pork, and brisket on them, an entire menu section entitled meat, and of course, the recipe du jour. Can you talk to me about greens? Oh, I love collards. Being with my granny, the reason why collard greens are so big in restaurants and things like that is because they hold up better. The the turnip greens and the uh yeah, mustard greens, they get they if you know how they when they sit in the water, they get real like swampy. So collards always stand up, you know, because it's, it's a bigger leaf, it's a stronger leaf, and all that. So my granny, when I would come to Texas, would cook collards, and collards was just so strong. And to get that leaf to where you want it, because it's a, it's the toughest one out of all of them, it's the strongest one out of all of them. The elephant ears get the biggest out of all of them, and it's the most flavorful out of all of them, and it's the most hardest one to cultivate, you know, out of all of them. So, and that, that's like I said, and that was a throwaway green or a throwaway plant or whatever for slaves and stuff too back in the days. What Kevin says here is important. Because you can dress it up, make it a trend, or write a cookbook about it. But in the end, this delicious food we now know as soul food comes from slavery. All this food was throwaway food. So brisket is the, the most popular dish probably in barbecue, you know, especially in competition. And that's actually the uh, chest of the, the cow, which is the toughest muscle. Uh, that's what we were given to cook with as slaves. Uh, the worst parts of the pig, the feet, the chitlins and, and all that, the, you know, the guts, the tail, the nose, all the worst parts our ancestors was given to cook with. And they and look what they did. They made it amazing. We. Slaves, Black people, took these undesirable parts, scraps, leftovers, and inedible things, and with a whole lot of love, turned them into beautiful food. And not just because we had to, though there were no other options, but because of what we already knew how to do. 
Though the collard greens recipe we know now did not originate in Africa, the tradition of eating greens, or really most things that have been cooked down into a low gravy and drinking that gravy from the greens, known as a pot liquor, is of African origin. So we brought this style of cooking to the plantation, and wouldn't you know, it spread. When slaves entered the plantation houses as official cooks, their African style of cooking merged with the foods available in the region they lived in and began to evolve into what is now, writ large, just called Southern cooking. There has been a recent movement in the soul food world to make soul food healthier. I know my mom said it earlier, the higher the blood pressure, the better. But real talk, studies like the one by the Journal of the American Medical Association show that fried foods and fats could be why black people disproportionately suffer from hypertension. A diet high in fat and sodium can lead to high blood pressure, with risk factors like heart attacks, strokes, and kidney disease. I can name at least three of my own family members who have diabetes. But Kevin says, don't blame the food. A lot of people talk negative about it, but just think, how can you talk negative from people that you came from and that's all they had to eat and they ate it so you don't have to eat it. You didn't have to eat it. But now you still eat it because you realize some of it is still incredible food. I mean, I remember they used to talk about oxtails on a... Uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Granny would say, they'll say, what you cooking? We having uh, oxtails and crow's feet. And now look, oxtails, I mean, I, I still got a paper somewhere where from the 70 something where the oxtails were like uh, 69 cents a pound. Now they like $15 a pound, you know, because like I said, they love that food. They love your food. They loved it when you was a slave because you was cooking it for them and they love it now. Now we just getting paid for it. Within this movement to make soul food healthier, I've seen everything from gluten-free fried chicken recipes to vegan collard greens. We aren't slaves anymore, and we don't want our people dying, so I get it. But you have to ask where you draw that line in keeping or changing one of the only early traditions Black Americans have to hold on to, really claim, and actually profit off of. I mean, growing up with soul food was a true inroad to me knowing my history to me knowing myself. And Kevin says, the real new ingredient in soul food these days is choice. It's a privilege to get to abandon that tradition at all. Now you have the choice to eat what you want to eat. You know, then you had a choice to eat. That's all we had to eat. And we made it incredible. So I, I feel like it should be celebrated all the time, you know, and, and I'm a, I fight for it all the time. I mean, I think probably, right, people are down on soul food because of how many of us have diabetes. Who eats it every single day? Especially if you got diabetes, you're going you gonna to have diabetes. You ain't cooking soul food every day. You're cooking spaghetti and everything else. You're not making oxtail. It's no black person I know that's eating a soul food dinner every single day. Keep it 100. It's not. You. It's like you, oh, what you cooking this Wednesday, honey? What you cook? I'm cooking some short ribs, oxtails, string beans, banana pudding. You're not eating like that during the week, you know? You know that you have a hamburger helper throughout the week and ain't nothing healthy about that. So ain't no soul food gave you no diabetes. That damn Taco Bell and all that gave you diabetes. I get so damn tired when they try to put soul food down and I'd be like, what genre of food is healthy? None. So why do we always talk about our food? I love soul food. I love our culture. I love where it comes from. I mean, we took nothing and made it into something. 
Sometimes you can taste your ancestors in certain things that you cook. You can taste them, you know. So you can taste like the pain and all the, oh, spice that up, spice that up. I want that to be hot like so-and-so, so-and-so. You can taste all that. No other culture has went through what we had to, to go through. So soul food is ours. I made it with smoked turkey today. <laughs> There's a lot of pot liquor, so I don't want to spill it. <laughs> but yeah, oh, actually, I have. I try it every turn yeah. to be, eat Harmony's food. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Where's the heat coming from? Oh, it's like, like it. red pepper flakes. Oh, what do you think of the coffee grains? I'd say, honestly, they're good. The, the way the spices and the way the, like, juices and the greases just kind of soak into the greens it just gives it that extra taste to it thank you that's so yeah, sweet it's no problem that's my little going around yes. <laughs> it's like layers of flavor you know thank you yeah um my name is harmony adosuan um i live in winooski vermont and i am a private chef and caterer um, you know, just doing my thing, making soul food. How's it going? Harmony Adosawan is the chef and owner of Harmony's Kitchen, a soul food catering company and supper club. And as you can hear, her food is being thoroughly enjoyed in studio without me because I work remotely. Though I've been promised some were frozen for my return. In Vermont Public, I'm holding y'all to that. Anyway, Harmony's Kitchen, the business, came into view for Harmony in 2019, but the concept for it began long before that. I knew that there wasn't really a lot of authentic Black soul food here. And so I started it because I was like, you know, I want to be able to bring that here. Also to make extra money. I was in college when I was doing it. I was like a junior in college. So I was like cooking out of my apartment. I lived with like five other people and um, <laughs> I would make these advertisements and like my classmates would come and pick up food in my humble apartment. And so that's kind of like how I got my origins. And so through that process of like building up my business, I started to like just deeply fall, like grow more of like a passion for what I was doing. I've had the chance to taste Harmony's food at different events over time. And just like the big, beautiful Afro she is rocking in studio today, it stands out. There's something familiar, yet also totally different about her food, a style you can taste that's all her own. I call it Afrofusion soul food is my particular style of what I do. It's because it's like a kind of like a mix of different African diasporic countries. So I do Southern food, um, a mix of Puerto Rican food and Nigerian food. So I'm Nigerian American. So growing up, um, you know, I started cooking when I was like maybe like nine or 10. And it was like kind of my responsibility me and my sister's responsibility to cook for the family. That's kind of just like how the culture is a little bit, you know, like a lot of the responsibility is put onto um, the kids. And so um, my mom from a young age would make me like stand next to her and just watch her cook um, whenever. Like she was like, just come stand next to me, watch me do this. Southern food, I learned kind of mostly through different friends and um, different families and online as well. Um, there's like a great resource of um, learning, but whenever I go online and try to learn something, 
I always try to make sure it's coming from like an authentic source, you know? And Puerto Rican food I learned mostly from, I grew up in the Bronx. The Bronx is a very diverse place. There's like a bunch of different cultures, especially like there's a bunch of different Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. And so I had one friend in particular, um, her mom actually taught me how to make um, a lot of the Puerto Rican food I make today. Throughout reporting this episode, I've gotten a deeper understanding as to why some foods were undesirable for slave masters and why they made it to the soul food menu. Mostly, they were things that were hard to eat, but I'll admit, greens still trip me up a little. They do take a long time to prepare, but you gotta wonder how anything green made the cut. They aren't as hard to eat as, say, a neck bone of an animal. Harmony has some theories. Well, usually when people see collard greens, they see it all cleaned and put in the store, like all bunched up for you, wrapped up, right? But when you're actually growing the plant, it's actually a very dirty process. And greens are like, especially fresh greens, like straight from the ground, are extremely dirty. And so I can see why that would turn, um, I guess, rich folks of the time off. Like it's not really something that they would see worth getting their hands dirty for. And it's such like a rigorous process. Depending on where you get your greens from, you especially if you're growing it yourself, you're going to have to really like make sure it's clean. It can also attract a lot of bugs. And so like you would... There's times even from the grocery store, I'd find greens that still have bugs in them, you know? And so like you really have to be really, you have to pay attention. This isn't something that you can like, you know, do lazily. <laughs> like if you're going to make greens, clear your day and make sure that, you know, you had the time to do it. Before Harmony became an entrepreneur, she was an activist at the University of Vermont and in her town of Winooski. And from what I've seen over the years in following her, she was a passionate one. It's no surprise to me that in switching gears to being a chef, her food reflects that same passion. Before I started doing Harmony's Kitchen, I was I was more so known for, you know, being a poet and activist. And so I spent literally since I came here in 2016 till 2021, all those years just full force activism, activism, activism. And I had to step away because I was just like, you know, I'm not finding joy in life. It's sucking everything out of me. I'm really trying to make this place a better place for Black folks and a better place for, you know, us to live, whether when I was on UVM campus trying to make it a better place for minorities and then being out in the community trying to make it a better place for all people. But I guess stepping away and finding that joy I took a year, I thought it was going to be a year off from activism, but I'm still off from it. But I kind of like took that time in 2021 and 2022 to kind of find out like, what is it like to not fight anymore? What is it like to not have to keep going at this? What is it like to like try to live a life that's softer, you know? And then I started started cooking, cooking, I guess. Here on the show, each of our episodes ends with a deep listen to something powerful and profound. Sometimes that's art, and as you heard in our last episode on Black men, sometimes that's just something amazing someone says. I'll admit, in this episode, I've been burying the lead a little. So for this deep listen, we are going to circle back to my mom, Martha Mathis, Kevin Bledsoe, and Harmony Adolsamon, and hear how they cook their greens, scored to the sound of Harmony cooking her famous greens. So sit back and let the listen in. And as a nod to what Kevin said earlier, I'm going to title this one, Tasting My Ancestors. 
know, we would um, clean the cook the night before, of course, for the the big days. Uh, you didn't you didn't do all this cooking the same day that you wanted to eat it. There's no time. I basically make a vinegar wash bath. Um, I'm looking through all my greens. I submerge them into the water for like maybe like 20 to 30 minutes. Let it do its thing there. You take each leaf one by one, rinsing it with cold water, checking it for any more dirt or like bugs or anything like that. Once that's all done, you put it to the side. Cut your collard greens. Don't put them in holes. Strip them. Cut them in strips. Roll them and cut them in strips. They cook better. The, the broth gets through better on them than, than when you have them and it looks like damn uh, banana leaves or something. Cut them up. Cut them in strips and, and, and they'll cook way much better. I just tore them. I didn't, you know, I got the, the stems off because they're tough. Now, Mama's greens were a lot different than Miss Carvey's greens. So that's where I learned uh, ham hock, I learned all that from Miss Carvey, ham hock, neck bones. After that, you know, you um, saute some onions, some, some garlic, um, any seasonings you like. And um, you once that's done, you add some chicken broth. When that reaches a, a boil with, at that point, you should add maybe like a smoked turkey leg or like Ham, I do smoked turkey leg because I just don't really eat pork like that. Um, but some folks like, you know, the pork in there, and so that's totally fine. If I'm using ham hocks or turkey wings, uh, I, I uh, boil those. I, I bring those up to, to get those tender because I think the biggest mistake that people do is to put a ham hock, a smoked ham hock or a smoked turkey wing in there to cook with the greens because I want the meat to come off of it. So the, you have to, greens don't take that long to cook, 45 minutes to an hour. So your meat has to already kind of be breaking down so that last hour while it's cooking into the greens, it's going to break down into the greens. Other than that, you're just going to have a big old tough ham hock sitting on top of some greens. We never threw it in, but Miss Carvey would throw in uh, okra. I remember eating her greens and she'd have okra. And that, those are good too. To put in there and then i take a little bit of the broth because it gets real salty but i take a little bit of that and i add that into the green the, the juice that i'm putting my greens in and i cook my greens with chicken base uh sometimes i use a pork jowl sometimes i don't ham hock uh, or a turkey wing a smoked turkey wing onions garlic uh crushed red peppers all that cook, cook that down that simmering process can take up to an hour um, just to get the greens at a nice consistency. Your broth has to already taste good. You have to build your flavors by your broth. You know what collard greens taste like. So you build your flavor. When you taste that and it tastes like a soup and it's good, that's when it's time to put the greens in there. When you bring that to a boil, you add the greens. Essentially, pot liquor is just that, that juice that comes from that fusion of the greens and the chicken broth you put in um, during the cooking process. So it just creates like just this delicious, um, such a unique like broth. Um, when I was actually on my way here, I was like in my Uber with my pan and like pot liquor juice was just falling everywhere. But I'm like, it smells so good. I'm sure they're not gonna mind. I cleaned it up though, but. <laughs>
So by that time, you're, you're exhausted and it's time to go to bed. <laughs> so there's my story. taste your ancestors in certain things that you cook. You can taste them, you know, so you can taste like the pain and all the, oh, spice that up, spice that up. I want that to be hot, like so-and-so, so-and-so. It feels really ancestral, like just ripping the collard greens with your hands and like putting it to the side. And like, I just felt like so like connected. There are two women that come to my mind whenever I think of these. So that's Mama and Miss Kirby. And, um, yeah, they, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know much else as, as far as how far back I should know. But when I think about cooking greens, I do think about those two. This conversation, I think, is worthy of production. <laughs> because you are talking, I do, because you're talking generational. And without that, well, you know, there will always be greens. Thank you so much for listening to Homegoings, a righteous space for art and race. It's been a pleasure being here with you. Special thanks to Jay Green and Phil Wills. Also to Kim Carson, Brendan Carson, and Scott Finn for eating some of Harmony's greens on the mic. Or should I say, you're welcome. And as per usual, thanks to Elodie Reed, who is the graphic artist behind all of our Homegoings artist portraits. Harmony and her greens are front and center on this one, so be sure to check her out at homegoings.co. This episode was mixed, scored, and reported by me, Myra Flynn. I also composed the theme music. Other music by Blue Dot Sessions and Jay Green. Brittany Patterson edits our show, and James Stewart contributes to so many things on the back end of making this thing come to life. So, how do you cook your greens? The people need to know, and by people, I mean me. Do you have a family greens or soul food recipe that's been passed down to you? Or maybe a recipe that you've innovated and made your own? We want it all. Write us at hey at homegoings.co. While you're there, you can sign up for our bi-monthly newsletter and give us a follow on Instagram at wearehomegoings. See you in two weeks for another episode of Homegoings. As always, you are welcome here. Just out of curiosity, mm -hmm. I, I know I know I've cooked greens for you. What do you think of my greens? They're very good. They're very good, and you'll you know add your your little touches and write it down so that Avalon can know it. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.